Jesse live from the ESPN 690 and a jar and Levine studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Is it officially football season? Trevor Lawrence and company speaking with the media today. Travis Etienne, one of those guys. We have tons of sound coming from that. We'll break it down. Casey, in your eyes, when does the Jaguar season officially start? Is it during free agency? Is it when players show up for the interviews? Is it for OTAs? Like, have you considered the season underway? We wait until the draft. How are you feeling about it? No, sir. We're not there yet. Not even close. So we're still on vacation right now. Yeah. So in your opinion, when does the season officially start? I mean, we definitely got to have the draft picks. Sure. I, I guess OTAs. OTAs? I guess. Like, I'm, you know, you could sell me on a different point in time. Not any earlier than OTAs. But so, you could sell me on training camp. Okay. I'm going to say it like this. In my eyes, when the draft is complete, then the season's ready to roll. Now, there's some fans out there that, you know, once uh, the Los Angeles Rams hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, all right, we're on to next year already, right? And, and good for you if that's your um, your prerogative. I don't agree with that because the past couple of years here in Jacksonville, you, you need some time off. You need some time to decompress fans, players, coaches, organization alike. But I think, like, once the draft is, is finally complete and you know what your roster is going to look like, that's when the season starts because that's when we can start talking, all right, who's going to be the starter? Who's going to be the backup? Uh, what are some training camp battles um, to watch? I mean, it's an exciting day, right, because now guys are getting back to the stadium and everything, and um, they're, they're, they're kind of getting ingrained in the Doug Peterson way, which, you know, we've already heard, heard a few things out of camp in terms of what Doug Peterson's doing. Uh, Casey, you actually sent us this in the group message. So Shaq Griffin, by my understanding, usually goes live in the locker room on Tuesdays. Right. And I'll, I'll read the quote here, exactly what he said uh, on Twitter. But that may be changing. Could be changing. Shaq Griffin said, I know I usually go live on Tuesdays, but phones got banned while we were in the facility to focus up on the task ahead of us this year. Casey, thoughts? Yeah, well, I, will, I want your thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and I have uh, thoughts. I guess my thought is, you know, I get it, but how are you going to police that one and two? It seems like... It, it, they're grown men. Like, it just seems like a lot to me. Yeah. But uh, I'm definitely interested to hear what you have to say on it. Okay, so I'll say this. Whether it was during the season, training camp, even, like, it seemed like on the plane rides from the away games, you know, and I know Jihad Ward did a lot of this. A lot of players, you know, went live. And truthfully, it's great for your brand, right? I mean, it gives pe uh, people behind the curtain a little bit of, of what's going on. You can have some laughs. Um, you know, you can answer some questions, and that's the beauty, and that's the power of social media. I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan, like, on the plane rides, whether you won or lost. I wasn't necessarily maybe the biggest fan sometimes during the season, and you're in the locker room. Um, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But to say that you can't have phones in the facility... I mean, listen, it's, it's Doug Peterson, right? Um, the guy's won a Super Bowl. He comes with a lot of pomp and circumstance, so I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like that whatsoever. I, I'm not sure how many locker rooms in the NFL ban cell phones. You know, like, do, does Bill Belichick, does he allow cell phones in the building? I really have no idea. 
we know Cliff Kingsbury pretty much allows cell phones on the field. Um, it seems like when they have like their social media breaks. So maybe this is just trying to, you know, set a precedent and say the old way of doing things, it's not going to fly anymore. And, and maybe the rule does come around. But, yeah, Casey, I mean, to, to kind of echo your point a little bit, there's no way you can expect a guy, especially during training camp, to be away from his family um, and not to be on his cell phone at least a little bit, you know, in the locker room. Like, there, there's a time and place for it. Obviously, team meetings, um, yeah, sure, turn it off. Uh, going live, all right, sure, you know, put an end to that. But I think going forward, I mean, and I'm not sure if Shaq Griffin really meant what he said when they've been banned but I don't see that lasting for the entire year because if I was a player, I'm not sure how I'd feel about that. I think cell phones are, I mean, hey, I'm on my cell phone right now. Right. You know, cell phones are a big thing of uh, society, and especially when you talk about the modern player and trying to relate to the modern player, um, like it or not, but cell phone usage is, is a thing. Yeah, I, I don't love it. And to be honest with you, when I first saw it, my first thought was this feels like something Urban Meyer would have done. It, see, I'm glad you brought it up. It, it does seem a little, you know, college-oriented, right? It, it does seem a little bit of, and I'm not trying to call it a dictator thing. I don't think it's really that big of a deal at the end of the day because, like I said, I think there's going to be some leniency going forward. But, like, this is really, you know, this is really our first taste of, of what Doug Peterson is bringing to the table, right? Because, no, we don't know what kind of offense they're going to run quite yet. Um, we don't even really know the defense yet. We don't really know a lot. Um, so set aside from what players say in the press conference. But what we do know is is what players say, and this was the vote on the very first things that Shaq Griffin brought to the table. So, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I just think that this is a guy who has to come in and clean up the messes that were made by Urban Meyer um, and company, and primarily Urban Meyer. You know, I'm not blaming any of the assistants. I'm not blaming any other staff. I mean, this is predominantly an Urban Meyer problem that now he has to clean up the mess for. And I just think of setting a precedent saying, hey, we're not going live anymore. Um, we're not going to do things the way they, that they were just because, well, it's an issue, right? And you won three games last year. And then before that, you won one game so or two games, whatever it was. So I can see what Doug Peterson's trying to do. I just think you have to walk that fine line because, you know, players these days, more than any other period, I think, you know, they, they do take everything at heart. And if you take that away, I'm not saying it's going to be an issue, but I think it, it could be um, at least a little grievance going forward. All right, we're going to set the record straight on the phone thing because I understand what Shaq Griffin tweeted and said. I'm not sure I believe it's the building, though. I think this might be a meeting room thing. And yeah, sorry, I caught you. That's, well, that's what we said. Yeah, yeah okay. it's, so, it's not going to – yeah. I don't think it's like walk in the building or leave the – phone in the car. Well, know? no, I mean, because we said that during training camp, guys got to stay in touch with their families. Yeah, so one so. would think you can definitely use the cell phone. It's just the way that Shaq Griffin tweeted it made it sound like the cell phones were banned. Yeah, and my understanding is that, that it's more of a meeting room thing, which, yeah. again, I think that's more reasonable, don't you? I mean... Well, no, I mean, the, the whole thing, the issue, though, was going live. You know, like, can yeah. you give the, the fans the, the interaction of, uh, of going live and kind of, you know, showing the players in their, yeah. quote-unquote, their home in terms of the locker room? But in a per big reason, again, you might... I've been kind of just coming in and missing the last few minutes of what you were saying, but and so sorry to piggyback on it. Um, I was just down there at Jags headquarters uh, talking to Trevor a little bit, but the I, I think I think we've had examples of like the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room, even that that organization which is really, you know, 
fine-tuned, it seems, and Tomlin, who's well-respected, and they've had stuff coming out of their locker room with the lives and, and all the rest. And so I think this is, uh, hey, let's just not go there, right? I mean, go live Tuesday at your house if you want. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but maybe I mean, not the it, locker room. Does it surprise you that like, a guy like Coughlin did allow the live and Doug Peterson saying, uh, at least according to Shaq Griffin, like, I don't know how much is yeah, just overblown. I think a little bit of this is interpretation. I'm and, going off of what he said. So. And Peterson will have to probably address that at some point because he'll be asked now about it. Yeah. But I, I would say even if it isn't, like in the locker room circles, if he asks the team not to do that, if – and, and maybe he meets with the leadership council and says, hey, is this cool if we don't do this because here's why, you know? Um, I'm not sure players would have a big problem. Maybe some do. Uh, but I do think, at least in the interim, like, I didn't catch the live part as much as, wait a minute, they can't have phones inside the building. I do think that is more, like, meeting room specific than it is you've got to drop off your phone at the building when you, <laughs> when you enter. Yeah. Uh, so well, interesting to see. And, and I think it's a debatable thing. I think this day and age, it's really hard to pull phones away from people. Listen, in school, they don't pull the phone away from you now. Most places. Sure. Um, they don't. And if you're not going to pull it away from a kid in school, <laughs> then <laughs> basically you can have your phone anywhere. I mean, we are used to it, whether it's right or wrong. And if you're old school, you think it's wrong. And I understand that. Um, that when we're in meetings, we're still looking down at our phone as it goes off, you mm -hmm. know, even on Zoom calls and other meetings. And people just kind of move on with the meeting and know how to multitask a little bit better than they used to multitask. And it's just not as uh, ignorant and rude and all the rest of it, unprofessional, if you will, as it used to be. So it'll be interesting to see what Doug Peterson says about it. It was an interesting uh, tweet from, from Shaq Griffin. I'll also say this uh, coming out of the you know, the building again today and listen to Shaq and, and other people talk. That locker room was really good last year, you know. Mm. Um, now, they're going to have a different dynamic this year to some degree. But the locker room part was really good at trying to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish and, and get a, rid of all the other drama and, and everything else going around them. Um, I thought they were terrific. Or it could have imploded even more from a public standpoint than it did. Yeah, I mean... We think the locker room is held together, but we, well, really, we, do we really don't yeah. know. Good point. You know, I mean, it was, it was hard to get the access. So um, what we have to go off of is what the players say, but behind closed doors. Yeah, you know, or at I least mean, in front of microphones and behind yeah, closed yeah. doors. Yeah, you didn't get the sense that they were splintered. No, sure. It was more that old, like, um, you know how some coaches would be, like, super mean to a, a team or, or really hardcore on a team and because they wanted it to feel like they wanted the team to galvanize against the coach. Sure. Like, sometimes that was like a – that was kind of a philosophy yeah. of coaches. I feel like more in like a basketball sense because it's a smaller group of people. Yeah. Um, but it almost had that sense last year, and I don't think that was intended by Urban Meyer, but it almost had that sense last year. It was like it's us against them, Yeah. more specifically maybe him. Uh, so, yeah, that was the biggest thing that came out of today, though, right? No more Instagram Live potentially in the locker room, and, sure. and we'll see where the phone yeah. situation is. Um it's really it'll be interesting to see the disciplinary part of Peterson because he's viewed as a super nice guy, kind of a player's coach. When he comes from a, a coaching tree that is more of a player-friendly type of style. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you do have some of his discipline measures, may come across like, oh, he's going to do that too, right? Well, yeah. that's kind of football coaches now. I mean, there's going to be some discipline along the way inside a building, and you're going to do it this way, and this is why. The biggest thing now, and you know this, you got to explain why. You got to yeah. explain the why. 
Oh, yeah. And, and if they buy into the why, then they're... Well, and, and that's what, you know, Griffin said. He said the, the, the whole point is to focus on the task ahead of us this year. So, I mean, he, he, he gave a... He justified the reason of no cell phones, and we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, so, anyway, uh, like you said, uh, I will jump in on what you said about the football season. I don't think football season really starts until training camp. You don't think the draft? No. Okay. I mean, that's me now. Sure. Uh, and I understand... Listen, we consume it all the time. Mm-hmm. The reason I say it the way I say it is I think the other stuff is here nor there. I think the OTAs are not for the outside world. I think it's very I, – I've said this for years. I think the OTAs and some of those things are – I don't know how much better that makes you. It can't hurt you, but I don't think it's a big part of the year, um, and especially from the outside looking in, it's not a big part of the year. So – I, maybe it's just because of the, my role, right? Like the way I cover the team, I don't think there's a lot happening there. It's fun to be around it for a little bit, but it doesn't feel like the intensity of, okay, the season's about to go. It's almost game time. You know, Sundays are about to happen, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and I also say it from this point of view because we talk to the fans every day, both on radio, TV, social media. Um, I don't think you get full engagement from the fans until about training camp time. You know what I mean? I think, again, maybe people listen to the show, hopefully, because they listen to the show, and we're going to talk about the draft, and we're going to talk about free agency. We're going to hit those high points. But there's also going to be a lot of empty space in there, like the last couple of weeks, where there really wasn't a lot of football talk going on. But when you hit training camp, and every practice gets scrutinized, and every soundbite gets scrutinized, and there's some countdown to a real game happening in the real season and the hope of that and the excitement of that i think that's when people are fully engaged and so from my point of view i feel like that's when the season really starts like mm-hmm. late july early august and this year maybe even earlier in july because of the hall of fame game that uh that's when the season really starts although for these guys in the world you lived in mm-hmm. i think the season does start right now for them yeah no, for sure in my opinion i think the season starts after you know when the draft is complete just because then you know what you have um, once you know what you have and you, you're sitting in those team meetings in, in the springtime, the OTAs and everything, all right, well, this is the crew that we have. This is the crew uh, that's going to try to get us to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. So, um, to, to me, the season officially starts after the draft. Yeah, uh, fair enough. And, and that's, um, again, I think it does for the players because if, uh, I mean, if you look at Trevor Lawrence, I think his, some of his foundational stuff, Mm-hmm. The Doug Peterson foundational stuff, I think it's important. Like, I think it matters. I think getting on the same page as people, like, that's a big deal, and that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, the season starts for the players once you have that first team meeting. Once you go yeah. through that, that first, you know, the, the, the o, whatever. It's like the, not the OTA walkthrough, but the, the voluntary practice walkthrough. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's officially kind of the start of your season because now you're starting to learn the scheme. You're starting to learn what's going on and, and, and what the goal is going to be going ahead. Uh, by the way, the team meeting is yesterday, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's team season's meeting. underway. That uh, team meeting was yesterday. Uh, look out for some of uh, the sneak peeks coming out on Jaguars.com. I might have seen a little bit of that sneak peek. Um, and The Hunt, I think, comes out with a new episode on Thursday. Uh, this offseason, so Jaguars.com for all of that. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Tuesday, and we stopped some of the Jags talk who are back down at Jags HQ for really a lot of fun talk right here. How about we welcome in Jazz Bond, who now is a member of the Dallas Wings of the WNBA, drafted last night, 31st overall in the third round, first ever Osprey to be drafted. Jazz, how cool is that? You still fired up about it? 
<laughs> yes, I am. What, what was last night like? Uh, did you anticipate this, by the way? I mean, i got to be honest with you. I've been around the UNF program a bit. I was a little blindsided by it. I did not know that was coming down. And and did you know you would be in the mix to be drafted last night? Um, I had an interview with the Dallas Wings um, last week. Um, so I knew they were interested in me, but, of course, I didn't know whether or not I would be drafted. So, yes, it was a... It was a cool surprise for me. Now, Dallas, did you have, like, any kind of draft party with some family and friends? Was it just you? What happened? Um, no, I didn't really have, like, a party. I just wanted <laughs> things to just be low-key and just to sit there and watch, of course, with my sister. Um, and then my, I was with my assistant coach and just two teammates, but I didn't want to have anything, anything big. Sorry, Jazz, by the yeah, way, not Dallas. Yeah, she's going to play for I Dallas. I think she knew what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jazz Bond with us. Uh, UNF Osprey drafted last night by the Dallas Wings of the uh, WNBA. What happens now, Jazz? I'm sorry, what did you say? What happens now? What's the process? Uh, you still have to finish school up, I believe. But what now, like yes. the season starts in May. Uh, mm -hmm. So do you go to a camp? I mean, do you still have to like yes. make the roster? How does this work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I actually leave um, this Thursday. I leave on Thursday to head to Dallas, um, and then training camp uh, starts on Sunday. Oh, wow. Yes. So it's right into so, it. Wow, how about that? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll be, and yeah, like you said, I'll be completing uh, school um, during that process as well. Very good. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about school in a moment, but I just want to give everybody a little background. Jazz Bond, UNF Ospreys, uh, star women's basketball player, drafted last night uh, into the WNBA. She's the career leader in blocks, Division One career leader in free throws and rebounds, two-time A-Sun Defensive Player of the Year, uh, two-time A-Sun First Team of the year, so the, the credentials are there uh, for Jazz Bond. Where do you see yourself in the WNBA? Does the defensive player of the year stuff, does that stick out? Is that why you got drafted? Are you going to be uh, a rebounding defensive specialist at that level? Um, honestly, like the, the defense helps me, but offensively too, I'm very versatile. I'm able to score on all three levels. I have a great three-point shot. Um, I would pull up game and also I can score inside. But um, being good on the defensive end um, helps as well. So, Jazz, uh, have you ever been to Dallas before? Have you any experience in that city? Um, I, the last time I was in Dallas, I do not remember, but I've actually played uh, like AAU basketball, of course, growing up there. But it's been, it's been a long time since I've been in Dallas, and I, I couldn't even – tell you what's there okay <laughs> so so i'm gonna say one thing uh, are you a barbecue fan yes i am okay so you go ahead and write this down this is not a suggestion this is a prescription go check out a place <laughs> called the pecan lodge and get the beef brisket you you will thank me later pecan lodge <laughs> check it out all right well, there you go you're already you're already taking notes see that yeah, yeah. uh trust austin <laughs> take notes from austin um what was the phone call like what they say when when you got drafted was there anything specific that stands out to you um, of course, it was just a call congratulating me um, and just letting me know uh, how quick of a turnaround it would be and me coming in this week. But it was just um, everyone calling and congratulating me and talking about how they're excited to uh, see me in Dallas. Jazz Bond with us from the UNF Ospreys. Just keep you for another moment or two. Uh, did you ever imagine that you'd play in the WNBA, coming to school at the University of North Florida? Obviously, you think about college and uh, – 
then the WNBA, when did that enter your mind that, hey, maybe I have a chance to continue to pursue this on a professional level? Yeah, of course, um, every young girl has a dream of playing in the WNBA. Um, of course, who plays basketball. So it's always been a dream of mine. But uh, once, once I got to UNF, that's when I realized, like, you know, I figured out my game and noticed how um, good I can be and stuff like that. And then also, um, as you said before, with North Florida, uh, even though it's a mid-major school, that really wasn't, like, holding me back from anything. In my perspective of things, it doesn't matter what program you go to, whether it's a, you know, a power five or a mid-major, as long as you uh, work hard and do what you need to do on and off the court to be successful, then you can put yourself in that position. Jazz bonded with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. All right, uh, we just want to help you out here. I do understand that you have a presentation tonight. Um, yes. What are you working on? What <laughs> class is this? Uh, it's actually for my uh, capstone class. Um, so I'm getting my master's in public health. So tonight I'll be presenting on my internship that I'm supposed to have during the summer. Um, so I'm going to be present presenting about the Ronald McDonald House, actually. Oh, very cool. good. Uh, nice. Now, listen, Austin might be able to help. Like, he played in the NFL. He's an MMA fighter. He balanced school. He also does NBA Slam poetry here yeah. on the show each and every Friday. Yeah. So, I mean, but she's in master's class, so I'm all set. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, bachelor, and, and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, the, the, the master's class, you kind of lost me there, Jazz. But best of luck to you. That's all I can tell you. Jazz, all you got to do is walk in there and be like, I just got drafted into the WNBA. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, what are you going to do with the Ronald uh, McDonald House, by the way? Oh, I was going to uh, do an internship there, so just um, working with family services. Very good. Uh, by the way, now you said was because, well, you've got other plans, at least as of now. That internship might have to wait, right? Uh, yes, but of course, like, it's still it's still, uh, it's still, up in the air. Like, uh, there's no uh, uh, definite answers on what I will be doing. <laughs> Jazz, real quick. So you, you grew up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, right? Yes, I did. Uh, okay, so uh, I went to school in Murray State, Kentucky. I had about 20 teammates that seemed to be from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Just out of sheer curiosity, do you listen to music before a, a basketball game? And if you do, what do you listen to? Um, yes, I actually do uh, listen to um, music before. But honestly, I just listen to any, like, you know, hip-hop music that will pump me up before the game. I don't really have, like, a specific song that um that i have to listen to right before but i i do have a playlist and it's just full of you know hip-hop music that will pump me up right as i go on the court okay so if we talk about hip-hop music is yo Gotti in that playlist because that's all people from murfreesboro <laughs> seem to play back when i went to college which was you know a long time ago but but yo yeah. Gotti was really big on the playlist are you still bumping yo Gotti, or is that kind of out now um Actually, actually, I do. I, I do think I have him on my playlist. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Some of the classics, Brent. You, you know, be, if you're from Murfreesboro, you gotta, right? you gotta listen thing. to Yo Gotti. That's, that's like a rule, I think. <laughs> if you're from Murfreesboro. All right. Well, you got barbecue. You got music, all covered by Austin. Good luck on your presentation tonight, uh, Jazz Bond. Congratulations on being the first uh, Osprey drafted into the WNBA. Good stuff, and uh, good luck in camp when it starts next week. 
Thank you so much. You bet. Uh, that's Jazz Bond joining us here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Very cool. I was, I was blindsided by that. I saw that. I was like, whoa. I didn't realize that. Yeah, really cool. It's uh, really neat. So uh, good stuff. Very good player. Uh, all you got to do is go to unfospreys.com. Check out her accolades. Uh, she's been terrific uh, for the UNF Ospreys women's program and now gets a chance with the Dallas Wings of the WNBA. Good luck to her. Uh, the closest the Wings will play in the WNBA to the Jacksonville area is Atlanta. Uh, they have a team, obviously, in Atlanta in the WNBA, so we'll do that a couple times. I think I looked it up. It's in June and July. Uh, so, uh, best wishes to Jazz Bond. We'll get back to some football talk uh, down at Jags headquarters today. Shaq Griffin, Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence all talking about last year and now this year. And Travis Etienne, the line of the day, if you haven't heard it yet, we'll share it with you on ESPN 690. No, nah, no, nah, definitely. Just that's just the human element of it. Uh, just seeing the results, you definitely like. Phew. If there was any year to miss, I missed the great one. So. <laughs> Such a good soundbite. <laughs> that was Travis Etienne. Nobody likes to miss time, but if it was a year for DJ Chark and Travis Etienne to get the heck out of Dodge, yeah. That was that was the interest. I mean, I know DJ was around it still to some degree. And so is ETN. But you know this, right? I mean, when you hurt, you hurt, and you're really not around it to the degree. Mm-hmm. But they've got buddies on the team, and they heard of and they were probably around some of it. And, but it was interesting that DJ is the one that talked in that article coming out a couple weeks back in The Athletic about Urban. Yeah. Because he actually wasn't, like, there day-to-day. I mean, I wonder what he would have said if he was actually playing day-to-day after yeah. week three. True, Or maybe true. he just saw enough in the first few weeks, including that Cincinnati game. We're not coming back because that was the game he got hurt in. Mm-hmm. So but even though he wasn't, like, you know, around and part of the team, like, I'm sure he still heard everything that was Absolutely. going on. Absolutely. I know? agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Tuesday. Uh, a nice little Jags day today as uh, Travis Etienne talks and Shaq Griffin talks. We'll get into Shaq in a little bit. We'll get to Trevor. Talked a lot of Trevor yesterday, too, but we'll uh, talk some more Trevor uh, as well. I sat down with Trevor today for an upcoming um, special we have on the draft and, and just later this month. So uh, you'll be hearing some of that as the weeks go by. And um, he was really good. So I think he's in a good place. That's a good sign. Uh, more Trevor in a moment. Let's stay on Travis Etienne. This is a guy that's really interesting to me. Last year under Urban Meyer, I thought he would be maybe used as more of a receiver than a running back. Mm-hmm. This year, he might have to be running back number one, depending on... Who else they pick up and James Robinson's health? And how much of a weapon is this guy going to be? Because we can add all these other pieces, and people don't think they've added enough. And I agree. Like, I'd like to get another one in the draft. Second-round wide receiver. Trade back up in the first round. I'm on board. Right? I'm with you. I'm with everybody on it. But they did add Zay Jones, and they did add Christian Kirk, and they did add Evan Ingram, and they did add Sheriff. And so they made additions. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's a chance the biggest addition to their roster is the guy they drafted last year and never played it down in Travis Etienne. No, it's huge, you know, and this is a guy, I mean, if you look back at his college stats in terms of how many carries per game and how many receptions per game, I mean, he he, he wasn't used a lot, you know. I mean, people were worried about Derrick Henry because of, of all the tread that he, you know, kind of wore off even in college. Travis Etienne's the exact opposite. He still has um, a lot of miles, you would hope, ahead of him. But the fact of the matter is he's coming off of a devastating injury, an Liz Frank injury. And then sometimes when you talk about that sort of injury, especially from a, a skill position guy where it is all about uh, speed acceleration and the cutting, um, 
you never really come back the same after that. Ask Maurice Jones-Drew um, when he came back, how he felt. So I think with Travis Etienne right now, you have a guy who, you know, didn't get to see that much of playing time just because of that injury right away. And, and keep in mind, he was a rookie last year. So he's chomping at the bit um, to get in. If I'm Doug Peterson, and, and sure, I, I may foresee him as my starting running back right now, um, depending on where James Robinson's at. Obviously, Etienne's going to be the, the more dynamic player, and that's what Doug Peterson loves in the backfield. And maybe you put him in the slot or something and run some gadgets with him. It's going to be great. But if you're Doug Peterson right now, you have to save Travis Etienne from himself. And you have to make sure that he is and not 80%, 90%, he is 100% ready to roll by the time the season starts. So if that means, you know, going through the motions and OTAs, even going through the motions a little bit in training camp, like, yeah, that's probably going to kill Travis Etienne because he wants to be out there. He wants to be like Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? He was drafted in the first round for a reason. But at the same time, you you got to slow this process down and make sure that he's 100% because the last thing you want to do is have him have, like, another setback. And now we're talking, you know, being out another year. Yeah, knock he, on wood. He, by the way, he says he's about 85%. And we learned from the owners' meetings when we were down there in South Florida uh, from Doug Peterson that he was going to be a part of these off-season conditioning workouts, but not, like, on an everyday full-goal um, standpoint. So to your point, there are so there's a take-it-easy approach with ETN, make sure he's 100%. The nice part about ETN, he's coming off a very difficult injury, seemingly for a running back in the list, Frank, but he did it so early. He did it in August, that he's really, by the time the season comes around, he will have a full year and maybe even a little bit of change to recover from that injury and feel good about the injury. He said today, he's like, I've got a screw in my foot, but if I didn't know I had a screw in my foot, I wouldn't know I had a screw in my foot. Sure. <laughs> so I guess that's a good thing um, as well. You think about it from a fantasy perspective, right? Because that's how a lot of people view this stuff. But if you were Doug Peterson, if you're Press Taylor, if you're this offensive staff, I mean, what is the best way to use him if he's health? Assume health. And given the fact that, again, you might not have James up to speed going early in the year. I'm, I'm still a believer that coming off that Achilles, I'm not sure James Robinson is going to be the James Robinson we know in the first month of the year. Mm-hmm. Given the weapons that they've added, the offense that Doug Peterson likes to run, what do you think we will see out of ETN? Will we see him used, you know, sprinkle in the passing game? Will we see the screen game ever come to Jacksonville? Will we see pound it through the tackles? Will we see these creative plays for him? How would you think that we would maybe envision the use of him uh, on a very vanilla level? We don't have to get too intricate here. but No, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the game is always changing. But, like, I go back to when Doug Peterson had a lot of offensive success in Philadelphia. And you watched what he had. I mean, he had a plethora of different style running backs. And the way I see it, assuming that, you know, everyone's going to be healthy – I mean, he had a guy in LeGarrette Blunt who who did a lot for that Eagles offense. And LeGarrette Blunt, by all means, was no way a, a backfield catcher. You know, I mean, this was a guy who just ran between the tackles, put his shoulder down, wasn't going to have any really breakaways in terms of touchdowns. I think he had one or two. Might have been in New England he had those, or maybe Tampa. But, like, it's just a, he's a bruiser type of, uh, of back. And I think you, you couple that with more of the ETN or more like what he had with Darren Sproles or somebody like that. I mean, he, he loves to change up the tempo, and he loves to change up the running back style. And I think if you have two contrasting styles now with ETN and James Robinson, even having them at the field at the same time, I think you could do some things. So um, I think Doug Peterson loves what he has, but the biggest part going forward is making sure that they're 100% healthy and you're able to you know get their full services the entire year. Would, would 
this offense have been notably better, Trevor, the offense, the everything, if ETN was involved. Do you think, like, in hindsight, we didn't really talk too much about ETN once he went out. And then because we didn't see the offense full go until it was weeks after he had gone out. Mm-hmm. But they had planned a lot about ETN. Remember, we wondered how they were going to use, like, Jamal Agnew. We talked a little bit about him filling a little of that void. Um, would they have been a lot markedly different, notably different with him and the way they were going to use him last year? Uh, I guess that's my biggest curiosity is how much did they lose by losing ETN that we really don't know? It's a great unknown because we never saw it in action. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because we're not truly sure of what he's capable of. But when you look at the speed, we look at his ability even in college to catch the ball out of the backfield. One would think that it was going to add just another wrinkle of being dynamic to your offense. You know, I mean, you, you had guys like Agnew, who they did that with a little bit. You know, LaVisca could never really get it going last year. So I think it was a, a huge loss for the Jaguars to lose ETN because it kind of l- limited you now of, of what the offense really looked like. And it was more, I think, traditional. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Doug Peterson necessarily wants to be traditional. I think he wants to be more um, new school and dynamic. And, and I think ETN, if he is healthy, is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah, I kind of like envision with ETN, he gives you the chance to stretch the field sideways. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about guys, we're looking for that guy in Jacksonville to stretch the, the field vertically. Mm-hmm. But I think he puts a lot of stress on people on the East to West game. And then if you combine the fact that you maybe have some tight ends to throw down the seam and the deep ball as a threat some way, shape, or form, well, now you got you got to cover it all, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's why that X, that, that big receiver that can beat people, maybe it is Kirk, is big. Yeah. Or maybe add it in the draft even more so. And then ETN coming back to stretch it the other way, again, horizontally, might be just a great formula for Trevor Lawrence the play callers, and this offense. Uh, Travis Etienne, I think, is a fascinating piece of this puzzle in Jacksonville. We hope he's healthy and ready to go uh, in 2022. We'll be right back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Tell you about a new show that debuts tomorrow. That's up next on ESPN 690. I think obviously you kind of get to skip that phase of and there's a couple guys obviously that are new and you get to know them earn their respect and build that relationship over this period of time it's kind of why you do OTAs and we're all together um, trying to learn everything and and grow uh, so you earn that respect but for the other guys that have been here we all know each other there's that level of comfort with each other and just having that you kind of skip the phase of okay I'm the new guy coming in and um, just kind of got to do my job and, and see where we where we land at the end of this thing so now I have a lot more confidence in, in that and just the respect I've gained, who I've been the past year. Um, being able to lead more definitely makes it easier. Trevor Lawrence, pretty transparent. Uh, that question was about leadership. Mm-hmm. I think he, he really, the cool thing about Trevor is, like, he doesn't say that last part in almost like a boasting way. Like, he says it because kind of he is who he is and he doesn't care about sharing it. Sure. And I think that part of, like, hey, I think people learned who I was and what I was all about, what I'm about, and I think that will help me, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, I mean, I, I think what you see is what you get with Trevor Lawrence is, is I, what I'm getting at. I mean, even we were talking about this after uh, today's availability a little bit. He even said at one time last year, he's like, listen, I'm not going to – I can't tell you guys everything. <laughs> you say to the media, like, in front of the bike. It's like, I can't tell you everything, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you either. 
Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think everybody knows what Trevor's all about. I think that will help him from a leadership standpoint. I, I thought he was tremendous in a leadership role last year uh, through all of that. And, by the way, he wasn't alone. I've said that earlier in the show. I think their locker room um, in, in the mess that it was last season was overall pretty good. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Tuesday. Uh, a lot of Jags talk will continue, plus Shock Your Mock coming up. Uh, right now, let's bring in the executive director of the Players' Championship, Jared Rice. Uh, we just finished off a, another big golf week, and now we look ahead to the PGA Championship. But it was, well, just recently that Cam Smith won the Players' Championship. Jared, he almost did something only Tiger Woods had done when the Masters and the Players that would have been pretty cool. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. It's been a little while, but uh, yeah, to see the players champ out there uh, giving it a heck of a run and, and knowing that he would have joined pretty elite company if he was able to, to put that together. But uh, certainly not taking anything away from, uh, I know he had, had a little trouble there on 12 and that's, uh, he's not the only one, nor will he be the last to, to run into that. But overall had an unbelievable week. And uh, now two, you know, two consecutive starts between players and masters where he's, been pretty darn good. Yeah, I think uh, the irony there was he hit an unbelievable shot on the par three to wrap up the Players' Championship on 17, or maybe not yeah. wrap it up, but really put an exclamation point on it. And uh, then there was the par three 12th that got him uh, at, at Augusta. I don't, I don't know what this really even means, but I'm going to ask it to you in this sense anyway. <laughs> You're used to that. You've, you've joined us plenty <laughs> of times. Here we go. <laughs> uh, what, what kind of champ has Cam Smith been already? Can we even tell that? and what kind of champ will he be for the players? Because the reason I ask it like that is you look over there, like Rory McIlroy, you could tell it meant so much, right? Justin Thomas, you can tell it meant so much. I think you can for a lot of these, these players that win it. Um, do you get a sense yet how Cam Smith becomes the ambassador for the players over the next 11 months, 10 months, and, and maybe even beyond? Well, I think what... Um you know, looking into some of his comments, the, what's in there to me is the idea that if he could win this tournament in these conditions against, you know, if you could win here under what he faced and what we all went through, you can win anywhere. I mean, honestly, and just um, unbelievable uh, performance by him. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's in some of his comments. And, you know, the, the, the personalities are always going to be a little bit different. And, um, you know, Cam was super gracious on, on um, I almost said Sunday, <laughs> on Monday night. Um, and, you know, he's a young guy, and I think just kind of, you know, understanding the magnitude of the situation, everyone's going to show a little bit differently. Um, and you, you, you could tell if you were there on closing ceremonies when he was up on the stage, got a little choked up at one point. Um, to ha you know, the idea of having not seen some of his family for two years, um, kind of the overall, again, the magnitude of the biggest win of his career and what it means. Um, you know, th those types of, you know, that kind of scenario is, is, is somewhat new to him. Now, again, top 10 in the world, three consecutive winners of the players in the top 10 in the world. The game is clearly there, but getting, you know, maybe getting into this um, kind of level of player is still, still somewhat new to him. I think it's awesome that he is um, a, a local uh, I mean, lives here in, on Roscoe Road. He's been up to the club uh, multiple times. We've run into each other more than a few times, and he's uh, he's pretty fired up. So um, it's nice to know that he'll be around town. I think we'll all be seeing a little bit more more of him going forward. Jared, do you think, you know, this is the combination of, of the style that he brings to the course and his personality? I mean, could, could, could he be like the, the next big name in golf in terms of maybe ushering in a new generation of golfers? 
I think just you know, from a uh, you know again, it's kind of he said it in his, his press conference for you know so he's from the Brisbane area, but he's got this you know this fighting spirit. He's a family guy. He loves to hang out with his buddies. Um, he had you know Adam Scott, Leishman, number of uh, Aussie uh, caddies were at his uh, at his at his, his place on the coastal late night, having a great time on Monday night. So um, you know he's he's got that. Um, you know, built up that camaraderie and those relationships within, um, you know, his peer set. And so when you look ahead to things like the President's Cup, uh, I mean, if he's not number one in the international standings, I'd be shocked. He's no worse than two. So he's going to have those opportunities to kind of step up and lead and, and indicate and show, hey, listen, I've, you know, I've been able to do this with, you know, players, masters, other places, and uh, can kind of, you know, again, step into this another level of game. It's super consistent, and when you putt like that, Again, you're going to be able to win anywhere. That putting was unbelievable. That final round was unbelievable. Uh, Jared Rice with us, executive director of the Players' Championship here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, that really was a miserable weather week at times at the Players. Uh, but I, I honestly think we forget about it because of the golf and how it finished. And the Monday finish was cool. I know it made for a lot of work for everybody else. Uh, what is the takeaway around? I mean, that was historically bad storm, by the way. I don't know if people understand that. Like, it was an historically bad storm. We will not get that kind of storm, most likely. Again, we had five inches of rain that weekend. It was actually, like, I think top seven all-time rainiest months of March on record in Jacksonville. So, I mean, again, this is not the norm. Um, but I, what's the feeling down there and, and the people you're around? I mean, it was in a bit of amazement at what the grounds crew did and what all your team did at, to pull that off. Um, and, and still have a fantastic event. And, again, I don't know if it will be remembered for the rain. I mean, I know we'll remember part of it, but I think we'll remember it for the players and the golf and Cam Smith and the rest. I love that you said that. Um, I mean, we were, it was biblical. It was a 100-year storm. I mean, we were just missing locusts. I mean, it was 29 <laughs> degrees on Sunday morning. I mean, and, 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 again, fans were so great and so awesome to come out and, you know, understand kind of what we were facing. Our volunteers were incredible. We had 700 volunteers on Monday. We had almost 20,000 fans here on Monday. And, you know, you know, the collective body blows that we were taking from Mother Nature. I mean, the Weather Channel was here in Ponte Vedra. Um, I mean, that's, it, it, like you said, it was a 100-year storm. And, um you know, again, I think just, uh, you know, once it goes to show you that once the, you know, the balls get in the air here at this event, that that, that competition really takes over. And, um, you know, it was, it was pretty wild there on Saturday afternoon, um, but we ended up, uh, you know, making the best of it after a, after a rough couple of days. So, um, you know, we're, 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 our saying is here's the blue skies in 2023, but uh, you know, we, 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 we've rewrote the weather contingency book at this point. And uh, again, just, just can't thank everybody enough for, for being really flexible and, and understanding what we're facing. So. Pandemic and weather, right? I mean, uh, I think hopefully yeah, exactly. next year we've earned an easy uh, Players' Championship. Not we, you. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, let's go. We're gonna. I'm going to talk about a show we're debuting tomorrow. Um, and it, it celebrates, it's really around our Dream 18, celebrates uh, people's favorite rounds of golf. You've played a lot of golf, I'm sure. Doesn't have to yeah. be your best score, Jared Rice. Do you have a favorite round of golf when I say that? Um, I, I do, and this is going to sound, I mean, uh, uh, just first thing that comes to mind, um, uh, Ocean Course at Kiowa uh, with lifelong buddies. It was a, a you know, buddy's trip, um, you know, a lot, lot, lot to unpack with that. But let me just say, I mean, it was people that I've known since, you know, fourth, fifth grade, lived with in California. It was just kind of that epic uh, 
moment of uh, everyone coming together in the hat. And this was a few years ago and, and really even haven't had a chance to since. So uh, we all played pretty well. Um, I, I happen to be um, uh, low among the group on, on Sunday. Baby. But anyway, uh, we, we, baby. it was a career round uh, for me, but um, it was really, I'll kidding aside, <laughs> it was about the fact that, uh, you know, good, good, good group of friends. And that's what golf's about is getting out and, uh, you know, seeing people that you really care about and, and having a good time. That's so cool. That's what that was. How hard is that, Kiowa, yeah, by the way? It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it is really hard. hard. Uh, Gun for punishment. Yeah. I called about it last week. I can tell you this. It's really expensive, too. <laughs> again, this was a, again, this was five years ago, so uh, pre-inflation golf trip. Yeah, I know. it. Yeah, before the pandemic. Hey, Jared Rice, Executive Director of the Players' Championship. Hopefully you had a little time to chill out, um, but a lot of good things happening in golf. Thanks for taking a couple minutes. Thank you very much. See you guys. You bet. Uh, that is Jared Rice. Uh, so tomorrow we launch uh, the Dream 18 show at 2 o'clock. Basically, it's going to be like a seasonal thing. We're going to do uh, one season of 12 episodes. Uh, Casey's working with me on it. And our first guest is going to be Jim Furick. Here's a little teaser, if you will, about Furick's 58. On my way to 10, the media room's off to the right of the ninth green, and uh, it's a place that I haven't visited very frequently, we'll say, at, uh, at Hartford, because it's not a place I've really played a lot of great golf in my career. And uh, on, my way to not, on my way to 10, there was a lot of buzz. I mean, there was TV cameras heading to the 10th tee. There was a bunch of print media, which you don't usually see on the golf course, especially early on Sunday. Uh, a lot of guys from the print media run into the 10th tee, and I kind of, a couple of them I know pretty well, being on tour for so long, and I was kind of a... Uh, joking with them on the way saying wow something must be pretty good out here you know get your rear end out of out of that media room this early in the morning on sunday and you know a couple of them gave me a little snicker like haha but uh kind of fun you you start to realize what's going on around you and when i teed off on number one on sunday there was probably five people on the tee <laughs> by the time i got over there at 10 11 12 there was a buzz starting to pick up a gallery television cameras so uh, there's a little bit more awareness of what's going on around you, and, and the moment starts to feel a little bit bigger. I had fun with Jim Furyk talking about that 58. More detail of that tomorrow. It debuts at uh, 2 o'clock right here on ESPN 690 on all the channels uh, that we always do, social media and the rest. Uh, 2 to 3 p.m. for the next 12 Wednesdays, we'll have uh, some other guests that we will share with you. And we want your favorite rounds of golf, hashtag Dream18. Uh, to do that. We'll be out in Davoli's House of Cards tomorrow, yeah, baby. Yeah, man. What did we open up last week? Did we do basketball? No. We did yeah, wrestling? No, we did oh, wrestling. That's what we did. Um, Chip, Chip bought us uh, the blaster box, yeah, and then we did. we did wrestling. We did UFC. There we go. See, we're going to Davoli's House of Cards tomorrow, 3 to 6. Make sure you come out to there as well. Alex should be there from 2 to 6 for the Dream 18 show as well. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We get back to football, and we shock your mock next.